Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Glad you're here. My name is Daniel. As uh, Dee Dee just prayed for me, I'm one of the pastors, and I'm really glad you're with us this morning. Uh, glad to be gathered together outside again uh, after missing last week because of the rain. Uh, and so it's good to see you. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, before I jump in uh, to the sermon this morning, uh, I wanted to make an announcement. Uh, many of you know Chris Cooper, uh, who has been with us for a while now. Uh, Chris is the RUF campus minister at North Carolina Central University. Uh, he's been on the campus and with us as a church for the past three plus years. And three plus years ago, he moved here from Delaware where all his family lives. Uh, he lived apart from his wife, Sante, and children for the first year, trusting the Lord, taking this call to come and serve uh, on the campus here in Durham. And uh, I am pumped to share with you that after much diligence, uh, patience, hard work, perseverance, literally years uh, of faithful study and hard work. Yesterday, Chris passed the last steps of his ordination exams to get ordained in our denomination. Uh, and so it was a huge day uh, for him, but a huge day in the life of our presbytery. And, and he, he really did crush the oral exams. Uh, so we're going to be celebrating him more uh, in the future. But I just had to share with you how big of a day yesterday was. Uh, so thankful for Chris and for his family. Uh, they really are a gift to the campus, to us, Christ Central, and to our city. So if you know Chris, if you see Chris, uh, tell him congratulations. Uh, he is uh, probably too humble to let you know how well he did and uh, how big it was. Though I did just see he posted it on Facebook, so he let everybody know uh, how awesome of a day yesterday was. But uh, it was a huge day, and uh, he's a gift to us all. And we're uh, in a series, if you've been with us for uh, the past number of weeks, titled Answering Jesus. Uh, we're looking at questions that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago, uh, and I believe he's still asking us today. Uh, each one of these questions are invitations from Jesus into a personal conversation with the goal of leading us into deeper, intimate relationship with himself. And the question that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to hear asked this morning, it's a sobering question. It's a frightening question. And it's this, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to walk away as well? It's a question that Jesus asked to his 12 disciples after many of the other disciples stopped following Jesus. It's sobering because it's a question that makes us really wrestle with the sincerity of our faith, forces us all to ask ourselves, is our faith genuine? Or will we at some point walk away from Jesus, leave the faith that we profess? The Barna Research Group, which studies cultural and religious trends, recently did a study a few months ago on the effect of COVID on church attendance. Maybe some of you saw this study. And they studied uh, how many people are still streaming their pre-COVID church? How many people are streaming different churches online now? And how many Christians have stopped attending church altogether? And what they found was staggering, but maybe it's not too surprising to you, that 50% of people uh, have streamed their regular church in, in at least the last four weeks. One out of the last four weeks they've streamed. 35% admitted to streaming a different church service than their own, essentially hopping around during the pandemic. And finally, one-third 
of the people profess to be practicing Christians who've done neither of these things. 33% of Christians who are attending worship are not doing anything for corporate worship now. Now, I realize that if you, uh, those who maybe are streaming this morning, those of you who are here probably don't fall into the 33%. But if you think about that, 33%, that is a lot of people who have walked away from corporate worship during this time. And now I'm not equating being a Christian with church attendance. But I do think it's a sign of health and of sincere faith. And so it makes you wonder how many people have walked away from faith in Jesus altogether. And so Jesus asked this question, the sobering question today in our passage, do you want to go away as well? And it makes us pause and ask, am I really a Christian? Am I really a Christian? And so we're going to look at John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71, as our custom to stand for the reading of God's word. And so I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand as I read the word of God to us. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Isaiah tells us the grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Holy Spirit would you speak to our spirit so that we might believe, that we might believe you this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, Dr. Richard Pratt was my favorite seminary professor. Uh, he is somebody who has shaped me profoundly. He is the reason I went to seminary in Orlando, Florida. And in my first semester, I took his class, Intro to Pastoral and Theological Studies. Now, you have to know this about Dr. Pratt. He is a master teacher, skilled in rhetoric. His teaching style is very Socratic, so he's engaging us during the whole lecture back and forth. And I'm not lying when I say this, that uh, almost every day in the first few weeks of this class, my friends and I would eat lunch after class and jokingly but not so jokingly say, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. If what he's teaching is true about Christianity, what it means to be a Christian is what he's saying. I'm not sure I'm a Christian. And after about a month or so of some anxiety, we, we finally asked him why he was teaching us this way. Why was he sowing doubt in our faith? And he said this, I want you to see that many of you don't know why you know what you say you know. 
And now I'm about to teach you so that you can know why you know. And his heart was to take many aspiring pastors from places of thinking that they know Christianity to sincerely knowing and sincerely following the Christ of Christianity. The reality is that Dr. Pratt had seen too many Christians walk away from the faith. He'd seen too many churches globally close their doors because they'd walked away from the faith. And he had known too many pastors who walked away from the faith. I'd venture to say many of us could could share names of people we know who at one point said they were Christians, but now have walked away from the faith that they once professed. I think verse 64 and 66 of our passage are probably some of the saddest verses in all of the Bible. Look at verse 64. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, but there are some of you disciples who do not believe. And then verse 66, he says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Jesus actually spoke about this a lot. He spoke in parables to highlight the possibility that someone can think that they are a believer but be fooled. Jesus said that the church visible is filled with wheat and tares, those that are genuine believers and those who are not genuine believers. Jesus said, not everybody who cries out, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus asked the question to us today, do you want to go away as well? It's a question of sincerity. And so my my two points this morning are two questions. What causes people to walk away? And secondly, how do we not walk away? Let's look first at what causes people to walk away. Uh, I'm going to bounce around the entire chapter of John chapter 6 to make my points this morning. Uh, John chapter 6 is a long chapter. There's no way I could read the whole chapter. But in this one chapter, uh, it sheds a, a ton of light on the very end of our chapter, which is our passage, verses 60 to 71. This whole chapter gives us insight into what has led many of these disciples to walk away from Jesus. And so the first thing that causes people to walk away from Jesus is pride. Pride. And there are two ways we see pride operating in John chapter 6. The first is the pride of the cynic. The pride of the cynic. Look at verses 60 to 61. You have that in your bulletin. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Verse 60, this is a hard saying. They said, not hard in the sense of hard to understand, but hard meaning harsh or offensive. They could not swallow the sayings of Jesus. Now, right before our passage, Jesus is talking about coming down from heaven like he's some extraterrestrial. Jesus is making I am statements like I am the bread of life, like some egomaniac. Jesus is telling his disciples to eat his flesh like he's a meal rather than a person. And so many of these disciples are are so cynical that they cannot buy what he's saying. Did Jesus really come down from heaven? Is Jesus' flesh really bread to be eaten? These sayings are too hard to believe. Now, our world is, is like their world in that our current culture prides itself on being cool, detached, enlightened intellectually, 
There's something today about, about being really hip or, or, or that being cynical is really hip. It's in to be cynical. There, there's a very popular podcast that I've listened to a little bit, but I've been told by many to listen to uh, and that they listen to. It's, it's called The Liturgist. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of this podcast, but it's mostly about deconstructing faith. It's asking people to really think, to become enlightened around some of the things Christians have said they believe for thousands of years. Now, please listen, I am not anti-intellectualism. Christianity is not anti-intellectual. As I said earlier, we should know why we believe what we believe. I'm just saying this, beware of the pride of cool cynicism. Do not be too proud, too educated, too refined to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a temptation for all of us to be the proud cynic. Does God really interact and intervene in our world? Was Jesus really born of a virgin? Did Jesus really die on a cross for the sins of the whole world? Emphatically, yes. But if you want to walk away from faith in Jesus, double down on cynicism. But it's not just the pride of the cynic that leads one to walk away. It's also the pride of the religious. Verses 41 to 42 says this of John chapter 6. So the Jews, the Jews grumbled about him because Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? <laughs> I love this chapter because Jesus is offending everybody. He's offending the cynic and he's offend, offending the super religious Right? The super religious, the Jews of Jesus' day are offended that he would say he came down from heaven. Right? Did you sense the pride of the Jews in their response? Right? Surely they know better than this kid whose parents they know. The religious are unable to receive and accept Jesus because in their pride, they know better than he does. And so we must beware that super religious people are in great danger of a false faith. It is easy to fall into the trap of believing in our own religiosity, that a buttoned up, Bible quoting, rule following life is what makes somebody a Christian. Jesus said, it's not the proud and the righteous that need a doctor. It is the sick and the needy. Super religious people find it hard to receive grace because they rely on their own righteousness, their own right living. It's messed up people who know they're a mess that receive the grace of Jesus. So if you want to walk away from Jesus, rely on your own religious righteousness. But an upright life will not save you. Christ and the grace of Christ alone will. Pride, pride of the cynic, pride of the religious will cause you to walk away from Jesus. The second thing that can cause you to walk away from faith in Jesus is using Jesus. Using Jesus. The first way that we can be tempted to use Jesus is for political ends. Listen to verse 14 of John 6. When the people saw the sign that Jesus had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And perceiving then that they were about to come and take Jesus by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again. That's what's happening here. The people saw Jesus and they thought, he can be the one to get us power 
so that we can rise up against these Roman occupiers. So they wanted to force Jesus to be king, using him for political power. There are way too many tragic examples of people using Jesus for their political purposes in our country today. Too often, people quote the Bible to support their agenda while ignoring other parts of the Bible that are central to the Christian faith. And this occurs from both the right and left side of the political aisle. If you want to walk away from Jesus, begin by starting with your political party. I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a Libertarian, and then use Jesus to further your agenda. Because the truth is, Jesus and the Bible support many issues that seem to line up on the left and many issues that seem to line up in the middle and many issues that seem to line up to the right. Now, don't hear me saying that Christianity and the teachings of Jesus don't have any political implications. Our faith in Christ is political. There are ethical and practical implications for us in politics, and to be engaged in politics is necessary and noble. There are 16 days to the election in our country. You need to go vote. Your vote matters. Who is elected matters. But as Tim Keller said, we must start with Christ and follow him into politics, not start with our politics and then use Jesus. The second way that we can be tempted to use Jesus is not just for political gain, political ends, but for personal gain. Now, I realize politics can be personal, but here I'm speaking more broadly about personal gain. Verse 26 of John chapter 6 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Now, these people enjoyed the gift of free food from Jesus. They loved that Jesus gave them free food so their bellies were full and they were deeply satisfied. But Jesus is saying there are people who can be tempted to use Jesus for the gifts he gives. That it is easy to like Jesus because he says he'll give us peace or that he'll provide for us or he'll protect us. But we have to be careful that we're not more in love with his gifts than we are with him. Because if we follow Jesus for the gifts... What happens when they're no longer there? What happens when anxiety comes rushing in instead of peace? What happens when you're experiencing more loss than gain? What happens when your circumstances are painful? It's true that when we follow Jesus, we receive his gifts, but it is personal relationship with Jesus that is the best thing of all. And so if we want to walk away from Jesus Follow him mainly for personal gain. Use him for his gifts. Let me go to my second point. First point, what causes us to walk away? The second point, how do we not walk away? How do we not walk away from Jesus? Peter's confession in verses 68 to 69, it gives us our answer. Look with me there. Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, to whom shall we go? That's a humble profession of faith. In this confession, we see that Peter has reached the end of himself. He's confessing he has no other resources, no other options. There's nowhere else to go 
in humility, he's saying, I need you, Jesus. I love what Mark Sayers said. He said, at its heart, biblical faith is a creed of the anti-hero. It is the story of men and women who come to the end of themselves and must discover God. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you realize that you are not the hero of your story? Life doesn't depend on you. Life is not about you. And when God is gracious enough to get us to the end of ourselves, we then can turn to Jesus and experience genuine intimacy with him and find that life with Christ is the greatest treasure. Look at the second part of Peter's confession. He says, you, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. That Jesus and the words of Jesus are the foundation of the believer's life. Intimate relationship with Jesus, founded on his word, is what keeps us from not walking away. This is why we have to read the word of God, listen to the word of God, memorize, meditate. It's why we, Christ Central, will preach the word of God. Because verse 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life. And a life filled with God's word is a life filled with the spirit. And it produces a life of intimate relationship with Jesus, often lived out in prayer. I started this sermon by stating the research of of Barna that one third of Christians have walked away from corporate worship during this difficult time of pandemic. I want to end by telling you my hope in the midst of this pandemic and social unrest and political divided year of 2020. I've been saying this for a while now, but I'm going to say it again. I truly believe 2020 is a year that we're going to look back on and say, yes, we've struggled. Nobody didn't struggle in this year of 2020. At times we we might have been hopeless, but in God's sovereign love and his pursuit of us, he has been leading all of us to the end of ourselves. Mark Sayers has likened our moment to heightened pressure that one might apply to a rock in order to forge a diamond. That I believe in God's sovereign love, the love of God that verse 50, uh, 65 speaks of, this love that seeks after us and re-seeks after us, that God is forging us into diamonds, disciples who will walk with Jesus and follow Jesus with sincerity, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, we follow Jesus. The great Welch preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said revival happens when men and women get to the end of themselves. Renewal, great movements of God have always happened when men and women get to the end of themselves. I believe God is at work that he really is on the move, causing the church to be forged into something beautiful and brilliant. Men and women with deep sincerity, deeply experiencing Jesus in his word and in prayer, and then a willingness to follow Jesus into our world. As a result, I believe the church of Jesus Christ is gonna come out of this difficulty, not in pride, not in power, but in humility, on our knees and dependence on God and his grace to us in Jesus. 
if you look at the history of how God has worked in the history of his church, this is always how God has led to revival and renewal and great movements of his spirit. A nominal Christian faith, a faith that is wishy-washy, that is weak, that can come to Jesus in pride or comes to Jesus to use him, it's not a faith life that's worth living. I pray that all of us would be men and women sobered by this question. Do we want to go away as well? It's a question that we all need to ask because it keeps us on our toes. But more than anything, I pray that it keeps us on our knees and that we find ourselves saying like Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's nothing better. Your words are sweeter than honey and that we would experience intimacy with Jesus and that our church would be full of men and women and boys and girls who know there's nothing better than being with Jesus. This is when a tidal wave of God's love will move in and through us that will lead to renewal in our city and from our city to the world. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would get us to the end of ourselves. It's painful at times, but it is a grace. It is a grace, and it's a gift from you when we get to this place where we say there's nowhere else to go. And then we turn and we say, you have the words of eternal life. There's nothing better than you, Jesus. So would you meet us? And I pray that we would be those who follow you with sincerity because we know that your love, your sovereign love never lets go. So you're always pursuing us. So Lord, help us to turn, turn and see you standing there with your grace and with your love yet again. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen.